I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Let's talk about Top Gun. Yes, tonight we're going to jump. I almost was going to say the Wayback Machine, but we were already further back than this. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we went about a decade into the future, actually. Yeah. So we're talking about the 1986 film Top Gun, which we both watched independent of each other. Yeah. In the very recent past, we both recently revisited it within the last week or two. When, before this last week, was the last time you watched Top Gun? Ooh, it's easily been a decade since I've watched yeah. it. Probably sometime in the mid to late aughts mm-hmm. was the last time that I watched this. What prompted this revisit of Top Gun? I saw it on Hulu and I was yeah. like, oh. Okay. It's also I mean, I've been planning Prime. to watch it this year because... Mm-hmm. The forthcoming... Yeah, because the sequel is, sequel is supposed to have been out by now. It's been uh, pushed been, back. been delayed. To 2021, which is like um, 35 years later. So I had always planned on watching it again. Actually, there was slated a showing of this, well, actually several showings of this, up at Hill Air Force Base with a, with fighter jets in the background. Indeed. That, I thought that would have been quite fun. In fact, they actually had a couple screenings where you could go up and watch the old Top Gun, followed by the new Top Gun at Hill Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Which I thought might have been fun. Yeah. So, but in, of course that got in got the terminated. alternate universe in which COVID didn't happen. Yes. Yes. And so Donald Trump terminated. is steaming towards re-election. So it was. Uh, it was on my list to watch this year. Just kind of biding my time till the movie got closer. And then it, the other weekend, I was sitting around and saw it and thought, "Hey, what the heck? Why not revisit Top Gun?" I had had this in my head to revisit for the same reason because the sequel's coming out again. I it was free on. Amazon Prime, so I watched it Saturday, and it is the first time I had watched this movie since 1987. Really? Yes. Wow. So, we'll talk a little bit about my earlier experience with Top Gun. So, I'm a little boy, living on a cul-de-sac in South Jordan, Utah, in the mid-1980s. We had the HBO, and Top Gun comes out on the HBO, and everybody's talking about Top Gun. Everybody, that was, it was a big deal. And I, you know, when you're six, you're running around and you watch parts of the film, but you seldom can bring yourself, at least during the daytime, to, to sit through a movie all the way, if it's not a cartoon at least. Yeah. So I think I've, I would consider myself as having seen this film before, but it's possible I haven't seen 100% of it. But I would say I've seen at least 80 to 90% of it at various because it's just on all the time. Yeah. And I have a memory. So my, my dad was in the, our family was in the process of relocating from Utah to Idaho. My dad had taken a new job. And he was up working in Boise. And then he would come back every weekend or every other weekend for seven or eight months, something like that, before we ultimately moved up to Boise. And I recall one night, I think my mom just had it on. I, I think she was reading. It was just kind of on in the background. And my dad said, five, six-hour drive from Boise to the Salt Lake area. So when he would come, he'd usually arrive after I went to sleep. Well, in the 80s, that probably would have been closer to eight hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lower speed limits. So it was on, and I convinced my mom, oh, can I stay up and watch the movie and wait for Dad to come up? So yeah, absolutely, because you're going to be asleep in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I pretty much was. Yeah. But I remember revisiting it. I'm not sure... It's really a movie for a six-year-old. No. I mean, the 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 the, the, the fighters, f- fighters yeah. is cool, yeah. but there's a lot of sexual innuendo in the film. It's also a film that's reputed to have a, a certain homoerotic 
elements to it, which I see, but I didn't think were as big as I kind of thought they were going to be by reputation of the film. Because, again, I haven't seen it since Reagan was president. I watched this probably not as many times as I watched other films in the 90s, but I watched this probably a couple times a year throughout the 90s. This was one that, you know, when it was on, you just watched it and you turned it on. I can tell that, you know, it's one of those films you don't have to really commit yourself to. You can kind of come in and out. Well, and and I famously tell people, you know, even through the late 90s, like I went through high school in the era of extreme toxic masculinity. There was nothing in this film that stood out to me as being particularly problematic Mm -hmm. until more recently. But in a post-Me Too era, there's, there's one scene in particular that I was like, I think if you were releasing this film today, that scene would not make the cut. Well, do we want to talk about that scene? Sure. What? The what, bathroom what? scene? The bathroom scene. I was going to mention that because I remember being confused as a six-year-old as to what exactly, what's up with that? What is he trying? He's trying to get something. What is he trying to get? Yeah. I, I, I know now. Yes. Well, yeah. And But yeah, the uh, go, I mean, you could get away with the going into the women, ladies' room nowadays, but not the aggressive pushy yeah that he was in that bathroom watching it and watching that bathroom scene you know two weeks ago or whatever it was that i watched this i was going eh, yeah that that part doesn't hold up but yeah. outside of that one scene i think the rest of the movie holds it's up a pretty fun well film it's it's good it's yeah. i would uh would maybe skip in a little head i'd give it three stars yeah i i would agree it's almost the it definition of a three-star film yeah, especially for like the summer blockbuster action film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is pretty close to your definition of the three star film. Most of this film really holds up quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, those fighter scenes, even though that fighter isn't being flown anymore, mm-hmm. it's still the fighter scenes hold up well. Yeah. I remember being a little confused about the fight at the end. It's like who who are they fighting and why why are we fighting? And it's almost like, oh, there's always a generic enemy out there that yeah. uh, we could end up in a dogfight with at any given time. Yeah, this is the uh, kind of the same thing as the Tom Clancy. You know, there's the generic bad bad guys. You know, Russia or somebody. Yeah. You know, there's just the generic bad guys out there that you can always go fight in a pre nine eleven world. Yeah. So, and they risk really an international incident. I mean, Reagan would be really breathing down Gorbachev for that. It's like, why are you? Pointlessly antagonizing our boys out in the Indian Ocean. We're just trying to rescue one of our ships. <laughs> Gorby, you gotta, you gotta do something about that. Yeah, it's a kind of a <laughs> Reagan, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it was fun. But yeah, uh, great cast. Tom yeah. Cruise, obviously. Yeah, yeah. How does Tom Cruise not age? I, mean, I know. Other than the fact that we know he's broken a deal with the devil, yeah, but pretty much. Yeah, Kelly McGillis. Uh, what Kelly, did you think of her? Uh, she's good. What I think of her, I think a witness. Yeah, where she plays really a kind of the opposite of this character. This character is kind of sexually out there. And yeah. Kelly McGillis, as an Amish woman, was not. I think she was more attractive, actually, in, in Witness than in this, which came I out the same year. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Robbins, Robbins was good. Val Kilmer, of I, course. I even forgot. I just saw the movie, and I forgot that Tim Robbins was in it. Yeah. I don't think he's in it very long. Yeah. Val Kilmer, of course. Val Kilmer was fairly fresh face Yeah. at this point in his I, career. I'm a good fan. I'm a fan of Val Kilmer. As you can see, as we're here looking at my, my TV, I've got Val Kilmer in my favorites uh, in terms of awkward actors. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Edwards, I'm much younger Anthony yeah, Edwards yeah. with a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. Tom Skerritt, Tom he's Skerritt's great. Good. Yeah. Michael Ironside, reliable. John Stockwell, again, much younger John Stockwell. It's a good film. James Tolkien, Strickland. Oh, yeah. 
And very briefly, Meg Ryan. I forgot about that. As uh, Anthony Edwards' wife. She has all of about three scenes in this. You can see the star quality in her. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even at this point. She just kind of lights up the screen whenever she's on it. I had forgotten she was in this, and when I watched it and she came back on, I was like, well, when she first comes in, I was like, wait a minute, is that Meg Ryan? You know, like, (laughs) fun film. How would you rate this on the 10-star scale? Six. Even though you gave it a three-star on the four-star scale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably, again, give this a seven on the 10-star scale. We're pretty close to the aggregate scores. This was an Oscar winner for Best Original Score. It also had an, was nominated for Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Effects. Golden Globe winner for the song Take, Take Your Breath Away, Take My Breath Away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a time capsule. Yeah. It's pleasant. I don't know how I feel about the idea of there being a sequel, especially this late yeah, I don't know. I guess we're going to find yeah, out. Yeah, I'll be some, interested. I'm curious about time. it. Yeah. That's become really the thing anymore is the long belated sequel. Yeah. Which I have mixed feelings about. Evidently, Anthony Edwards is the only actor who didn't vomit while in the fighter jets while they oh, actually really? filmed this. Yeah. And the real Top Gun school imposes a $5 fine to any staff member that quotes this movie. <laughs> yeah. These are from the IMDb you know, trivia section. Well, you know, if I were by some miracle there, I would definitely budget you know 20 plus dollars yeah for the fines that i would incur you gotta make some comment about being inverted yeah how do you do you know how this did uh theatrically extremely well yeah i was looking at it had a budget of 15 million dollars which for the type of film that it is seems small Mm. i mean just how much did they spend just on the fighter jets Mm. i mean obviously they weren't purchasing them they were you know blah 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 Opening weekend domestically, it brought in eight point one million dollars. Its domestic gross was seven hundred and eight. Excuse me, one hundred and seventy nine million dollars. Wow, in um, nineteen eighty six. Guesses for worldwide wide gross? Twice that. Pretty much three hundred and fifty six million dollars wow. worldwide. And it's this, a very American film. I mean, this syndication rights, streaming rights, DVD sales, VHS Tony Scott, sales. Right? This this would have brought in quite a bit of money even after the yeah yeah this this yeah. would have continued this Tony Scott. and this is still bringing in money oh yeah yeah this is yeah I mean Tony Scott just obviously easily near his peak yeah I don't know what else to say about this film yeah it was it was it was nice to revisit you know it's just the novelty of, of rewatching a film that I haven't seen since I was a little boy yeah was kind of fun I'm kind of curious why you hadn't seen this since I don't know. I, I mean, this was on plenty yeah. in the in the nineties. I don't know. Yeah, just never got around to it. Uh, fun film, good enough. So, yeah, I'm Rob. Yeah, I'm Nate, and this is Rob and Nate record a podcast. We continue to converse on the subject of levels. Yeah, levels were already set before we went in. So, uh-huh. you ready? Indeed. Do you remember? This is putting you in the Wayback Machine, going back to two thousand one. All right. Okay, so post nine eleven, uh-huh. we're in Maryville. Yeah, and the airport had the air refueling wing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember all the fighter jets coming in to get towed over to Europe and then down to Afghanistan? Uh, no. You don't remember that? I don't remember it. No. You don't remember pulling over and watching the fighter jets take off? Now that you mention it, I think maybe. So the one that stands out, one memory that stands out in particular to me, was an F fourteen Tomcat coming into the Knoxville airport. Hmm. Do you remember this at all? 
possibly we the, were the barest of memories. I, clearly, I have more of the well, you, you know, memory for that. I, I couldn't I couldn't name a jet. I mean, I could I could name some jets, but I couldn't say that is that. And this is yeah. Most of what we saw taken off out of Knoxville was like F-18s, you know, and things of that that nature. But one day we were driving we were driving to Alcoa, and I don't recall what for, but I remember we were driving into Alcoa, and an F-14 comes flying overhead, and it does a, a steep bank and starts circling around the town mm-hmm. and does the wing sweep and then dropped in and landed. And that was the first time I'd ever seen... I'd seen an F-14 flying one other time with the wings back, but it was the first time I ever saw an F-14 fly with its wings out. What I remember, of course, because Maryville, the the Knoxville Airport was in our area. It was in that the Blount County. Yeah. And so we were always here in the planes. Yeah. It was just a very common... And then for four or five or however days after 9-11 when they had grounded basically all flights, how surreal that was because you were so used to it that you noticed its absence. Well, so that was before I got there. Okay. So I was in Signal yeah, Mountain on right. 9-11, mm-hmm. and I had a slightly different experience because I was, uh, Signal Mountain, just outside Chattanooga, we mm-hmm. both spent time in Signal Mountain, was a cargo airport primarily. Okay. I didn't have very many civilian flights, but on 9-11 it landed quite a few civilian flights. And the Blue Angels were in Chattanooga on oh, 9-11. Really? How about that? So I do recall getting back into Signal Mountain and being near the edge of the mountain. when. The, and in fact, I think we were driving along the edge of the mountain when the Blue Angels just full afterburners, mm. just like a shot, took off out of Chattanooga and were gone out of sight in a matter of seconds. But the other thing that, the reason we didn't stop hearing planes was because we were also in proximity to Saudi Daisy Nuclear Power Plant. So fighter jets were routinely flying over the mountain at a very low elevation. I remember hearing, even in Maryville, people talking about, they're going to attack Saudi Daisy plant. Yeah. And thinking kind of like, well, that's kind of the the ego egotism of your area. It's like, oh, my area is certainly important. Certainly they'll want to well, attack my area. I knew less about nuclear power plants back then, and I didn't take the threat seriously. If I'd known now or then what I know now about nuclear power plants, maybe I would have taken that threat a little more seriously. But it also seemed reasonable to have fighter jets. You know, I mean, they were all over the country at that time. Nobody knew what was... Well, and fighter jets were flying all over the country, so it was nothing to have a fighter jet fly around, you know, within proximity to the nuclear power plants in the weeks after. Mm. But yeah, for... But the thing that blew me away was that when they flew over the nuclear power plant and then were going wherever they were going after checking Saudi Daisy, when they came over Signal Mountain, they did not gain altitude. They came, you know, they would go over the Chattanooga Valley at maybe 2,000 feet and then come over the, the mountain at 500 feet, you know, because mm-hmm. just it seemed like in several instances they were even lower than that, that they were like you couldn't see them coming until they cleared the trees right in front of you. Yeah. And there was one time I could, you know, I thought I could have thrown a rock up high enough to mm-hmm. hit it, you know, but. They just skimmed the mountain and just flew right over. Do you remember that guy in Maryville, I forget his name, who worked for the Navy, and he flew the refill planes? And he would say, they would be like, hey, how was your day? So it was fun. I flew halfway to Spain. Yeah. And came back. I actually don't think I met him. I, I've heard stories of him, but his, his attack where he got shot was before I got there. I don't know if you knew he got attacked. He lived on the side of the mountain, right? Like... No, this was in this was in Maryville. Oh, in Maryville. This was oh, a guy yeah, in Maryville. 
Yeah, yeah. I do remember that guy, yeah. Yeah, I remember and the, he flew the other all thing, the time, yeah. He flew all the time, and I remember the other thing he would say is, like, you elders are welcome here anytime except when Jag's on. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he did. He flew, I mean, especially that 9-11. So one of the conversations I recall having with him was about how, because he would say how far they flew, and I was like, man, that's got to be a long flight. And they were flying like 20 hours one direction and turning around. It was like a 43, 44-hour round-trip flight. But, it, yeah, it was the point being that by the time they landed, that was their hours for the entire week. They, they wow. did that one flight, and then they didn't fly. You know, if they flew again that week, it was straight over time. Kind of forget how central East Tennessee is to things. Well, do you recall how they staged them? No. So the, the, the tanker would take off from Knoxville and head east out over the ocean, out over the Atlantic, and it would fly two hours, and then the fighter jets would take off. And the fighter jets would go out and catch up to the tanker, refuel, and then continue their flight to Europe. And the tanker would continue and fly closer to Europe, and then turn around and catch fighter jets coming back and refuel them. Mm-hmm. Or fight, I think the fighter jets had refueled twice going to Europe. And so then they would catch a second squadron of fighter jets further out over the Atlantic, or planes coming back for whatever reason from Europe. So, yeah. But yeah, that's that was the leg of their flight. They flew out. I thought that if I understood correctly, maybe it wasn't this way initially, but eventually they were basically flying almost all the way to Germany and then turn around and coming back. Yeah. So, it was interesting. But the fighter jets would land in Germany, presumably at Ramstein, and then sleep and the next day would get up and fly from Germany down to Afghanistan. But that's they called it t- uh, towing the fighters across across the Atlantic. Mm. That's how they referred to those tanker missions was towing the, the fighters across the Atlantic. But yeah, there was. I remember on several occasions that we just happened to be in proximity to the airport, and a squadron of jets would be lined up on the runway, and we would just pull over and sit there and watch I, the fighter I jets think take I off. Do remember this. Yeah, I bought a pair of binoculars solely for that purpose. I think I remember that. So I remember one time pulling over. What was the what was the foreign lane right there by the airport? Do you remember? It wasn't was it the one. It wasn't the one twenty three. That was right by our apartment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever the four lane there was, going to the freeway right in front of the airport. I remember pulling over on the side of the road and watching the fighter jets take off with binoculars. So I also remember going to the other end of the runway and watching other planes land mm-hmm. and take off. But yeah, odd memories. Almost memories. twenty years ago now. I know it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 